0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller, Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks.
1: Can you strap on VR goggles and go to church in the metaverse? We asked the author of Analog Church and the pastor of Virtual Reality Church to argue all the wrongs and rights on this episode of Device and Virtue.
2: Well, hey, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life coming to you from Chicago. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Adam. Hey, Chris. Today, we are not fighting. I've decided to call peace.
2: (laughs) Finally. Finally. Shalom has arrived. (laughs) Shalom has (laughs) arrived.
1: Instead, we are witnessing a fight.
2: Oh, well, okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) So maybe
1: not. But it's a fight between two pastors. And when two pastors fight, it's actually a pretty kind brawl. Pastor Jay Kim, the author of Analog Church, And Pastor DJ Soto, the pastor of VR Church, are on the podcast today talking about why they think or don't think we should be doing church in virtual reality.
2: We lined up the guy that wrote a book called Analog Church exactly, to talk to a guy that has a virtual reality church. Yeah. You're just causing trouble over here. (laughs) I'm just spinning up
1: conflict wherever I can find it. Because you know what? The world just doesn't have enough conflict,
2: right? No, that's really awesome. I guess they've probably both thought about it a lot. Yeah. I know that DJ Soda was a pastor at a larger church and then planted a virtual reality, like put on the headphones kind of church, right? Put on the headset, yep. And Jay Kim, a pastor, an experienced pastor who has literally wrote not one, but two books on the analog church and the analog Christian. Yes, right. What a perfect conversation partner to have. Let's hear this interview that you did, because I can't wait to talk about it.
1: Right. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Jay Kim, welcome to Device and Virtue.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be Thank on. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And DJ Soto, welcome. It's good to have you. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's, I'm glad to be here, too. You know, it's it's too bad we're not doing in this in VR. That would be really cool.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty uh, cool. Uh, next time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, Jay Kim, you are a pastor and an author. You wrote a book that came out the year COVID started called Analog Church, and you were big proponent and advocate of doing church in person, IRL, live in Silicon Valley, and pastor a church called Westgate. So that's just really interesting. I also was surprised that your church does have streaming. You can watch your church online. So I find that fantastic. Maybe we can talk (laughs) about that a little bit. And DJ, you've been a pastor in the metaverse now for what? Six or eight years?
4: Yeah, it's been, uh, we're going on seven. Yeah. Back in 2016, we launched VR
1: church. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So you launched VR church in 2016 and you also have MMO church. Is that right?
4: Yeah. It's kind of like a, yeah, a branch ministry that we developed alongside virtual reality churches in massively multiplayer online experiences.
1: Yeah, Yeah. That's awesome. Um, DJ, I'd love to just jump in with you first. So back in twenty sixteen, you left an IRL church, a physical church in Pennsylvania, and you started this network of new churches in the metaverse in virtual reality. I'd love to just hear a little bit about that story and how you ended up there and what compelled you into that space.
4: Yeah. We were pastors, my wife and I had a church in Pennsylvania. It's a pretty large church for the Northeast. And Uh, We were on staff there as part of the executive team, leadership team. Mm -hmm. And I did many things there, but one of my last things I did there was a campus pastor helped launch their first multi-site experience. And so that that was a lot of fun and just loved that experience. And had it was a great church, a great congregation. But it was about 2016 where my wife and I felt like we needed and wanted to do something new, Mm -hmm. just kind of that stirring was inside. And we Mm -hmm. thought that meant physical church planning. So we set out to go do that, sold our all our stuff. We were going to hit the road to raise support. Attending church planning conferences uh-huh. and trying to connect with church planning organizations. And it was about the same time that the Oculus Rift came out. This is virtual reality. It's the first time we've seen this at a consumer level. Enthusiasts would say, well, it's been around a long time, but not to the degree where you can go to Amazon, buy VR that has its own full echo system like the smartphone. Yeah. And so I, I got that. We're a bunch of gamers and geeks, you know, <laughs> Overwatch, Fortnite, Minecraft, all that stuff. And, um, but we just got it for fun. We weren't thinking ministry. And then I experienced the metaverse for the first time in t- summer of 2016. Mm. And you think you've seen it all. And I have never experienced anything mm. like this. It's interactive 360 immersive space with avatars meeting people from all over the world. And it just blew my mind. It was, it was just amazing. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after that. It was like days after that where I had my first church service in VR and published it all over social media. Hey, come to church in VR. But, you know, no one had VR. At the time, particularly back in 2016, it was a a bit of an empty room. Five people showed up uh, to my first church service, and they kind of came and went. The first visitor, and this is interesting Mm. to our history and to who we are today, the first visitor was an atheist from Denmark. Mm. And he came in and he says, man, I don't believe in God or anything, but I'm curious what this is all about. We had a conversation. And that really was a light bulb moment for Mm -hmm. me, because as a physical church pastor, I never had an atheist just come on a a random Sunday outside of Christmas (laughs) or Easter and say, hey, I want to talk about spirituality and faith. And so that was really unique. And that's how we got started. And it wasn't until 2017 where another light bulb came on, where we were like, wait a second, we're not physical church planners. Mm -hmm. We're actually metaverse church planners. Mm And our church is no different than any physical church in a town or a city that you're part of. And so that laid the foundation and that first interaction with that atheist. And then that culmination of realization, that aha moment for us has led led the foundation or laid the foundation for what VR church is today. And what VR church is today is a church planning movement across the metaverse. Okay,
1: Wow. And so for people who aren't familiar with like the scope of the metaverse. What does that what does that mean? Because yeah, what does that mean?
4: Yeah. So a lot of different out there about what the metaverse is. Everyone's calling their project a metaverse project, um, whether it's buying a piece of land, a digital pixel off a website, you yeah. know, or an NFT. So there's a lot of terms floating around For there. Sure. The base definition really is about a virtual reality social spaces, okay. like worlds to experience in VR. So that's like the the core idea of the metaverse. And then of course it's it gets more elaborate when you start to include blockchain, NFTs, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know Web three, DAOs, and all that type of sure. stuff. The term was coined from Snow Crash, so a sci fi <laughs> novel, out of all yeah. places. And for the sci fi geeks, they might know Snow Crash, and so that's a significant part of VR's kind of like I don't know ethos or it comes from. And that talks that's a world of virtual reality, and then further kind of pushed forward with things like Ready Player mm-hmm. One, and which was a book first, mm-hmm. and then Steven Spielberg made the mm-hmm. movie. So. Uh, that's kind of where the metaverse esque um, experiences and perspectives come from is from that sci fi. So the geeks yeah. are envisioning what that book is, and we're not there yeah, yet. Yeah. But so that's the core idea of the metaverse. But yeah, it starts, it's going to branch out into blockchain and other yeah.
1: things. You made an interesting comment. You said, we realized that planting in the metaverse was no different than planting a physical church. And I want to come back to that, but I want to give Jay a chance to jump in here as well. Jay, So like we said, in 2020, you published this book, Analog Church, the subtitle, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. Tell us a little bit about that story, how you came to write it, and and maybe even just some of the reception that you had kind of as it launched kind of right at the beginning of the pandemic.
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah. The book came out actually the same month (laughs) that everything got locked out. So March of 2020. The irony was not lost on me. Yeah, it was really interesting. We shut down in-person gatherings, and then two weeks later, I released a book about physical in-person <laughs> gatherings. So, oh, man. In hindsight, I'm grateful that it worked out that way. Obviously, there was a lot of conversation mm-hmm. about church, what the church is, what the church isn't, how we navigate a season when we couldn't gather, um, shouldn't gather, mm-hmm. and what that means for us. So I, I was grateful because if there was anything I wanted to say in that conversation I I said in that book. So yeah, yeah, that that was an interesting, interesting situation. And it was interesting for multiple reasons. One of the main reasons was when you write a book, it's years in the making. So I started writing that book in 2018. Oh, wow. And I was actually done like typing the last few words and editing the last few words months and months before the pandemic. So it's not like I could go back and rewrite it. It was all printed and all of that. So it was interesting to juxtapose what I had thought about the church before the pandemic and then how the pandemic and not being able to gather in person for such a long time, what that did to my perspective. And I've been asked that question quite a bit, actually. And what I, what I, what I've come to is that one, if the pandemic did anything, it for me, it reaffirmed the ideas and the importance of, of why I think it matters so much that we gather together. And at the same time, it did simultaneously give me newfound and much deeper appreciation for the technologies at our disposal, Mm. which allowed us to stay connected in ways that had we not had those technologies, it's difficult to imagine just how exponentially more challenging the pandemic may have been. So yeah, I find myself in an interesting place, you know, a deep appreciation for technology. It's actually a misunderstanding that a lot of people have about me based Mm. on maybe just the subtitle of my first book or something. I think that I'm a Luddite (laughs) who who thinks you should throw away your phone and be Amish and live on a farm and churn your own butter or something. And I'm not. I actually have a deep appreciation for technology. I'm just interested in asking the question, what is and isn't the church Mm. and what role does technology, not just digital technology, but any technology that has a formative effect on Mm -hmm. us what role does it play mm-hmm. and how can we be thoughtful about engaging these formative realities in our lives? So, yeah, it's been an interesting few years to be sure, yeah. but, but yeah, yeah, it's been good. That's
1: fantastic. That's absolutely why we do this podcast, because we're looking at the formative effects of technology on faith and life. And we're trying to answer these questions. And you said you started writing this book in 2018. DJ was doing VR church already in twenty sixteen. So these issues that came to everybody's front of mind with COVID, there was already a lot happening in that space or that was driving you to write a book like this. Yeah?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The church where I'm on staff now, it's my second time on staff. When I first started thinking about these ideas, I was on staff at this church as a as a teaching mm. pastor. Mm. And we were right in the midst of going from one congregation in one location mm. to becoming at the time, a multi-site or multi-campus church. And what we did was we leveraged video teaching. So we launched these campuses and piped in video. I was a teaching pastor. We had Saturday evening service at the time. So I would get up and teach on Saturday nights and look at this camera. And the service producers would tell me, Hey, Jay, make sure you look at that camera. Oh, interesting. Because the camera is the people. yeah. <laughs> and I just remember that being such an interesting concept to me because we were recording the sermon. The people that were going to watch it weren't even really watching it live at the time. They were going to watch it, a recorded video of it the next morning. And I just thought that was really fascinating. That got the ball yeah. rolling for me. So for me, yeah, some of this work, it wasn't a response or reaction to the pandemic. Sure. Oh, know, yeah, for it was, sure. It was long before yeah. that, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I want to give you guys a chance to ask each other some questions because that's really why we brought you guys together to really kind of hash out the metaverse and analog church. And Jay, like you said, what is the church? What does it look like? But it's interesting, Jay, your experience, what kind of came out of looking into a camera, kind of the dead eye of that video camera and saying, those are not the people, like, or, or just not being able to see the people. Whereas. DJ, your experience with VR church, I think, would probably be pretty different. Would you say that's true?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very akin to being face to face again, your avatar to avatar mm-hmm. interaction, connecting with, with each other, conversations, relationships. Um, and then now, avatar technology is increasing exponentially. And it's not going to be too much longer where we're, we're going to have a hyper realistic skin toned, mm-hmm. you know, facial expression reflected with cameras, a version of ourselves in the metaverse. But
1: yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, hey, I know you guys brought some questions for each other. And so I wanted to give us a chance to dive into some of that. DJ, I know you brought a question or two. Do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely.
4: My question comes from how maybe criticism directed towards VR church that says that's not real. That's not church. And so it kind of got me thinking, okay, then what is church? Is it a one-hour event on a Sunday morning, and maybe you do a small group later? So basically, like that's where my question revolves around. How do we define church? What would count as a church
3: experience? Yeah, it's a great question, DJ. I, I would say the word church, which comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is two compound words, right? lesia. So it means like called out ones. Mm-hmm. Originally, right, the, the word was, was not, it wasn't a religious word. It certainly was not a Christian word. It was a word about socio-political gatherings when people literally in towns would gather. Now, obviously it's a fair argument to say, well, they didn't have digital technology back then. Right. So of course, if you wanted to gather, the only medium for gathering at the time would have been in person. Nevertheless, when I think about that as the baseline for The model of the church, it makes me think that we have 2000 years of Christian church history. So the first thing I would say is that church is not a service or even a gathering for an hour and 15 minutes. It's not a sermon or a song. And this is kind of a tired old cliche, but it is because I think it's true the church as a people. So in that way, on the large, broad scale of things, I understand that that's been a critique. Maybe that's been lobbed your way, DJ. Mm. I would not throw that critique at you that VR church is not church. I actually would never mm. say that. That's not the argument I'm trying to make. Because if I make that argument, that means that, then that I and you and all of us somehow don't belong to the church global or the church historic, mm. Or the church universal. Mm. That would mean that the church in Kenya, Africa, or the underground church in Iran. I don't belong to that church. I just belong to this local church that I go mm. to five minutes from my house. Well, that's not true. I belong to that church. So in that way, I consider myself as belonging to your church. You <laughs> know, we are a church. We we are all we are all the church global. So I would define the church as the people of God called out into whatever spaces they are called out into, to be formed into Christlikeness, and to live the way of Jesus in whatever environments, whatever spaces we are called to. So primarily, I would define the church that way, as the called out people of God gathered together to be formed into likeness as his bride, and then called out to live the way of Jesus in our world, whatever corner of our world we are called to, be it the Silicon Valley, geographically, physically here, or virtual reality spaces. I would say that's all the church. So I don't know if that hijacks our conversation, (laughs) Adam. Not at all. But yeah, for me, it's not so much about what is or is not the church. It's rather, what does it mean to enact being the church and are there limitations? Not just to to virtual church, but even to geographic churches and like localized IRL churches. Hmm. I think there's limits to all of those things. And we need to overcome some of those hurdles for sure. So there you go. I don't know if that answers the question.
4: No, I think that's a beautiful answer to the question. And I agree with that hundred percent. And I think that you could take a physical church and it not fit what you beautifully described. They have, it's a one hour mm. event. Yep. They have a group they attend, and if you know if Mary misses that event, she's she missed church. Well, right. she is the church, or she could gather with the church, you know, on other times. And so, conversely, you could have a VR church that doesn't fit those elements, or maybe it does. And so, um, I think it's I agree that maybe it's less the the format and more the expression. Mm-hmm. And the physical church can be just as guilty of not fulfilling that vision. That you yeah. just described. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think, Jay, what I've heard you kind of define is this center set, like this, this vision of church and what's at the center of that. Perhaps where the questions come in are at the edges and where the practices come in, the practices of church, whether it's gathering in person is a big one, but also things like communion, things like baptism, those sorts of questions. And we can agree then this is kind of the vision and the direction that it's going. And question maybe is, what are the best ways to get there? But Jay, do you have thoughts about that?
3: Yeah, maybe just to continue on the discussion a little bit, where I would draw distinctions beyond just the definition of the church, and maybe this is where DJ and I might diverge, or we might not, I'm not sure, is I think that there is an important distinction to be made. Not that these two components oppose each other, they don't. They actually dance together in harmony. Mm -hmm. But there is there is content, which is vitally important. Mm -hmm. Good content, good gospel-centered, gospel-saturated, Christ-centered content that draws us closer to Jesus and compels us, inspires and informs us to be formed into Christ-likeness is vitally important. But Content has to be then expressed in physically embodied ways. That is my belief. Mm. And that's where, that's where the distinction lies for me when it comes to digital and in person or analog, virtual or IRL, whatever language a person wants to use. So it's not so much that I am again, like I said before, I'm not against digital. I'm actually significantly for <laughs> digital. I think that you called it. Uh. Huh. Earlier, like our church still has online services and I'm happy to talk about that. I've been asked that question a lot. Hey yeah. man, you wrote a book about analog and I went to your website and you stream your services and you guys have an Instagram. What's up with that? Well, it, I never said I was against digital. <laughs> <laughs> I simply said digital plays a particular part, but I think analog in person embodied experiences also play an important part. And really the question I have is I'm not sure at this point that that digital experiences can adequately allow people to physically embody the way of Jesus in the most full, rich, robust way that that works toward our good and our formative good and God's glory and all of those things. So that's where the distinction lies for me. It's not so much is digital church or is it not, Mm -hmm. and is analog church or is it not, because I agree totally with DJ. We're having this conversation right now because we're in the first quarter of the 21st century. But if you went back 50 years, nobody was talking about digital anything. But it doesn't mean that the church, simply because we were gathering in person, was so hyper effective mm. and everybody was being formed into likeness. Mm. So showing up in person doesn't fix the problem. Mm. I'm just trying to name the differentiations between the two. So that, you know, for me, we can most adequately invite our people to go on the journey of formation into Christlikeness and living the way of Jesus in the whatever corner of the world you find yourself mm-hmm.
4: in. No, I think that's great. I think when we th- we think about embodied, that's an interesting term because now we can embody these avatars and does that fit the same criteria or expression? Our experience is absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. So I could see how like in Web 2, the way we view digital connections and relationships through text Maybe a web chat through with a video that was just perhaps unfulfilling or was just didn't quite hit the mark. But now when we're embodying, if you will, these avatars and interacting face-to-face, it really changes the game. Again, going back to the realism that's coming um, and that's already even here. I think that's where like our experience has been so unique. And side trail, like you were talking about, how you, you wrote the book Analog Church, and but I'm not anti-digital. I think the misconception that we get mm. is that we're anti-physical. Mm. And that's not the case at mm. all. Like we've connected and there's some beautiful stories. One of my favorite is seeing one of our members who pr- pretty much doesn't attend VR church anymore because they're attending a physical mm. church. And they got baptized there in, in the Netherlands where they were at. He sent me the video and it cool. was it was beautiful. It's amazing. And so uh, we're not an anti-physical church, but unashamedly, we do exist completely in the metaverse and we don't have a physical mm-hmm. location. And that serves many people who could not physically attend church. And what's interesting to me is as a physical church pastor and then a metaverse church pastor, that whole world has opened up to me big time. I think I knew it subconsciously and the shut ins, but when I, as, as a metaverse church pastor, obviously there's a lot of people coming in and I got to hear the stories and see people who have severe social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they've gotten burned by the mm-hmm. church. They're in a wheelchair. They're on a military base. They can't leave. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, part of their base of operations mm-hmm. and you see this whole gamut. Of people. One ga- a gal has autism and she's able to control the experience in the metaverse. And so when you hear these stories over and over again, and you're just opened up the world to these individuals that I believe the, the church has forgotten, mm. to be mm. honest. And not only they've forgotten, they have failed to serve to the degree. I'm not talking about like uh, your, your church, I'm just talking about broadly, when they have had such a hesitant to towards digital tools. So we're not even talking, Let's let's forget about Web3 for a moment, VR. Let's just Web 2, the hesitancy. And I was part of church staff where they didn't like the term online campus for a church. They didn't want to build it out where people could have like online small groups. There was that hesitation. And so in my view, man, you're not serving those people who physically, literally can't. They would be there. Yes, they would be there 100%, but they can't. And so that whole world has opened up to me. And then now with the metaverse bringing in Web 3, the metaverse virtual reality, the immersive nature of the avatar, I just have been more convinced than ever that this serves such a beautiful community of people who want to connect. And I think, and here's where it really gets tough for me. Uh, and I'm not, you guys haven't said this. I'm not attributing this to you, but when people criticize and says, that's not real, mm. uh, that's fake. You can't, they can't be, there can't be discipleship. There can't be connection. I'm. There's no way I could turn to look to that homebound woman in a wheelchair and say, because of your condition, you're never going to have a real spiritual experience. It's going to be second rate. It's going to, it's not going to count, so to speak. Man, I would just, that's something that I could never, I don't even believe one. And it's hard to see other people say that and they kind of get the, maybe the diffusion Mm. of that Mm. criticism. And so, yeah, it's just a different world. And I know many people haven't experienced the metaverse. And so there's that whole bit, like in the matrix, Morpheus tells Neo, you can't explain what the matrix is. You have to experience it for yourself. (laughs) And that's true uh, of the metaverse and VR. If you haven't experienced it, it's tough. So quick story, I was at a conference in California casting vision about VR church, you know, PowerPoint, all that, kind of getting those blank eyes, you know, yeah, these, yeah, like, yeah. confused faces. The pastor in the congregation was like, this is not biblical. This is not correct. Mm. And so afterwards, I didn't know that, introduced myself. We got to talk and I invited him to the VR church. He came, put his headset on. He embodied an avatar. He met people, brought him up on stage. He gave a, a cast vision for his ministry in the Middle East. And then afterwards he took off his headset and he says, I need to be involved in VR ministry. (laughs) And so that's the Morpheus quote, man. That's like the experience changed his theology. Mm. You would think our theology would shape our experience, but in that moment, the experience of what he had influenced his theology. No, no chapter and verse convinced him. My (laughs) 30 minute, you know, dissertation on, Oh, that didn't do anything, but the 30 seconds in there convinced his Mm -hmm. brain. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back, Jay, to what you were saying about just. The question of how technology is shaping our faith, how it's shaping the practices we have. But it certainly does. It shapes our theology when we have these encounters that convince us in some way. Jay, I know you had a question that you brought. Do you want to jump in with that?
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us. Written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing, the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. drafting off of
3: the conversation so far, DJ. The question that came to mind for me is, in your experience, what are maybe some of the most significant limitations of VR church as you see it? Yeah, that's a good question. And there's kind of two ways to look at it.
4: It might not be fair to come about it from the two ways, but let's just kind of present it and then poke at it, if you will. So the one is going back to 2017, where at a psychological level, we said our church is no different than any other Hmm. church. So that laid the foundation, that mindset pretty much said, we can do anything that the physical church does, and then some. And so really, when we come across a limitation or a problem or, let's say, a a situation, we find creative ways to deal with that. So it's less of, uh, we're limited, we can't do it. It's more, how can we do this? Whether it's, you know, maybe at a physical church, someone's sick, you could have delivered a meal. Well, you can't do that in the Metaverse Church. Well, I guess we're limited. No, we go, hey, get some Uber E-cards. Let's send them over to them so they can have a mm-hmm. meal. You know what I mean, so we're finding different ways to meet different needs. And so I think that our fundamental like ethos is to not feel limited or to not mm-hmm. think limited. So that's the one side, right? That's how we operate. On the other side, I think it's fair to say, well, I think it would probably be a big difference of delivering a meal physically. Mm-hmm. Somebody coming in there saying, hello, how are you doing sitting down? So our version probably be Uber Beats. Hey, let's go there in VR. Let's pray for you. How are you doing? So there is a a difference. The physical elements are unique, are special. I would love to play a game of poker with you guys in virtual reality, but it would be way funner or different to do it physically, right? It would be just a different experience. And so you have these kind of in tandem to really chew on to think about. So I think if I was to answer your question, the limitations come down to uh, there are f- physical interactions that are unique and special that perhaps cannot be met in the metaverse. But I also would say that's not meant to limit us in any way because we can meet those needs and still connect at a visceral level, albeit different.
3: Yeah, I think that's good. I actually think there's a real beauty in the the desire to connect more deeply. You know, here's the thing. For me, one of the things that really strikes me, regardless of our agreements or disagreements or differences on the matter, one of the things that, as an example, proponents of in real life church, analog church can and should learn from you, DJ, and from people like you who are really pushing the envelope and trying to innovate online and through VR is drive and motivation. Mm -hmm. So you say, okay, there is a hurdle here. Somebody in the Netherlands who's a part of our VR church is sick. Well, I live in California. Mm It's not that easy for me to hop on a flight. And by the time I get there, that's 18 hours. They can't wait 18 (laughs) hours to eat a meal. They're sick right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to think creatively. Technology allows me to whatever Uber Mm -hmm. eats, DoorDash, send a card, flowers. Let's gather in a virtual room. Let's pray together. That sort of drive and motivation is inherent to taking essentially new territory. And I think one of the dangers of embodied analog in-person church is that because it's normative because it's something we know and understand we can get really lazy you know and make a lot of arguments about well in person we could do this but my question always is like yeah but do you do it that's really (laughs) the question because these churches that are innovating in other spaces just by the nature of their reality that poses very clear challenges they have to get innovated. They have to get creative. And I think that's a lesson to be learned for all Mm -hmm. churches, all church leaders and all Christians, you know, followers of Jesus, because it's really easy to make arguments online, but are you actually doing the thing? So, and at the same time, I appreciate what you said. You're right. It is different. Even us having this conversation, I totally agree with you, DJ. This would be a totally different experience. And, and for me, a lot more fun if we were having this conversation (laughs) around a table and sharing a meal. So yeah, I think distinguishing those differences and understanding their importance, I think we can agree on that. And I think that's an important place for everybody to just at least think about it in their particular context, for sure.
4: Yeah, one thing I've been chewing on, and this is kind of more like an evolution with how I've interacted with church leaders in the past, is if you think of like, I'm at a desktop computer, I have a powerful 3070 graphics card powering up this 32-inch widescreen mm-hmm. TV. But also got a Kindle Fire, a little tablet. And so which one is better? Well, if I'm on the plane, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, like my PC on there. I'm going to have the tablet. But if I want to sit down and have a good experience, I'm going to be here on the desktop. And so it's, you know, some people, they're homebound mm-hmm. and they need that experience that a desktop is not going to give them. They just can't work. And so I think I try to distinguish that to saying, no, they're both good. Physical is good. Metaverse is good. They don't necessarily need to be pitted against each other. One's not even better than the other. Church is going to serve people really well, and the metaverse is going to serve people really well. And the ultimate killer is when is the hybrid, the combo. Mm, yeah, um,
1: so. I think one thing I'm I've heard from both of you guys, Jay, I've heard the emphasis on formation, the emphasis on discipleship, and how the experience of analog church forms us. And maybe there's a question around how the metaverse church forms its participants. On the other side, DJ, I've heard you talk a lot about the value of the metaverse for those people that have been forgotten by the church, legitimately forgotten by the church, and have been marginalized in various ways. And your focus is a little bit more on the role of the pastor in these spaces and the role of the minister being enabled to reach and do that outreach. So it's maybe your, your attention is a little less on the formation question. Although I think it's there, but maybe a little bit more on like, Hey, how are we connecting with these people? How are we reaching out to these people? Because they are not connected at all to the church and any connection is better than no connection at all. Is that a fair reflection back?
4: Yeah, Pat, no, I think it's good. I think obviously one of our important values is to connect. So we are connecting with those that let's just say, are far from God. And so our first year of your church was heavily atheist and agnostic. Mm. So I'd say over 90% Mm. of the congregation uh, would would be, hey, I'm an atheist, I'm agnostic. And so that was special, that was unique. And then the Christians came Mm. later, Mm. right? And so that's how, kind of looking back at that, I think that if we didn't have that space, if we didn't create that environment for people to connect and to have community um, Even for those that wouldn't identify with faith, I think that would have been a big miss. And so I think it's been special to go down that route. Nowadays, it's certainly shifted. It's probably more 50-50, which is still like a high yeah. percentage when you think of like a church <laughs> congregation. And one of our church plants is, because we have multiple churches, uh, still pulls high towards a higher percentage of non Christians, So to so the, anyway, so that there's that idea of connection. And then really discovering that discipleship has a, a powerful place in the metaverse where people can grow in their mm. faith, particularly when we get into world building. Mm. You think of that moment in Inception when Leonardo DiCaprio and Ellen Page are walking through Paris and they're building worlds of mm. their minds. Like, that's what we do every week at VR Church. We build a <laughs> new experience uh, for individuals to walk through. Moses and the Red Sea, we're walking through it, walking into the nativity, into the tomb, experiencing it. And what we've observed unscientifically, maybe some sociologists will come later and qualify, quantify what's happening. But my observation is the, the scriptures are imprinting differently with these new believers because they're being immersed in the scriptures, fully immersed in VR, taking it all in, being engaged, walking through, uh, being with Jesus on the shore with the fire, cooking the fish, and Peter comes swimming on the boat. And so the stories come alive. The stories imprint. The metaverse world-building, experiencing the scriptures, scriptures in a tactile, immersive way is imprinting. And it's, it's another version of, of enhancement of, of one's spirituality.
2: Hmm.
1: Jay, what are your thoughts about that? experiential imprinting.
3: Yeah, I think that's profound. And I think there's a real power to it. You mentioned earlier, we've hit on it a couple of times. People get surprised when they find out our church has online services because I'm the lead pastor and I wrote a book about analog. But the reason we've maintained our online services post-pandemic is because of the data and what Mm. the data has told us, not just here locally, but on a national Mm. level is that I think Ed Stetzer, I heard Ed Stetzer say this. I might be, that might have been someone else, but I'm pretty sure it was Ed Stetzer. Somebody that wasn't <laughs> me, I heard say recently something along the lines of online, your digital worship gathering is the new lobby. Mm. And what he meant by that was people who are new to the church and DJ's work is proving this point. People who are new to the church, their first experience of your church community is not the physical lobby of your building. For the most part, when they physically show up to the lobby of your building, they have watched your church online in error between three and six mm-hmm. times. And anecdotally, but it's like, it's, it's, it's more than anecdotal at this point based on the number of conversations we've had here in our church. That number has proven true the overwhelming majority and by overwhelming majority i mean probably close to 100% mm. of new people i meet at our church since the pandemic and i meet new people at our church literally every week multiple new people who say this is the first mm. time i'm I've, I've physically shown up i can't i don't think i know of a single person who has not watched us online before showing mm. up at least once or mm. twice and usually three or four mm. times And so that's why we keep the online service. It is our lobby. That's where people feel most comfortable. So, you know, that's where I think the marriage between digital and analog is an important Mm -hmm. one. And I think DJ and I would probably see this differently. But the way I see it is that if you think about a house, I think digital is by far and away, it is the greatest front door that the church has had maybe ever Mm -hmm. in human Mm -hmm. history. It's the biggest, widest largest, most accessible front door because anybody can access it. The front door is where I greet acquaintances. But once the acquaintances become friends and they become family, my desire is that they would begin to linger in much more intimate spaces in my home, the living room over a cup of coffee or the dining table over a meal. But you can never get there if your house doesn't have a front Mm. door. (laughs) It's not a house. (laughs) If you show up and there's no door, there's just a dining Mm. table you would be like, what is this? How do I get in Mm -hmm. there? So I think that there is a beautiful marriage that can happen between digital and analog. But I think both iterations of gathering have a lot to offer one another and a lot to learn from Mm -hmm. each other.
1: Mm -hmm. I'll give you any last thoughts, DJ.
4: Yeah, I think that once pastors, like I mentioned before, start to experience the metaverse, start to have those connections, start to see those relationships, start to understand that there's people that want to be connected with their ministry in visceral ways, um, I think the, 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 reluctance and the hesitation is going to fade. You saw in that, uh, Barna study in 2020, the 25 top concerns for lead pastors and the top was like a watered down gospel and it kind of worked its way down. And the bottom, hardcore bottom was keeping up with technological trends. And I think it goes back to like really staunch theological attitudes in these theological silos. And to be fair, like when I have this conversation, I say, I'm not critical of church leaders because many, were educated in a seminary system that had zero, if any, digital-like education, like particularly your, your senior church leaders. And so they either had to adopt it or evolve into it. The Our next gen is having zero issues. with it. They're Roblox, oh, yeah. Minecraft. They're already metaverse. <laughs> in some ways, those experiences are more advanced than the current metaverse platforms that call themselves the metaverse. And so at a theological experiential level, they are birthed into this yeah. experience age. And so that's something that is not going to be an issue for them. And so I feel like uh, as church leaders, it's one, our job to kind of uh, pave the way for that, for them to really take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and to run hmm. with it. But I, my observation, and I'm not talking about you guys, but my observation is, is with church leaders that are getting in the way, that are still stuck in theological conversations about how we implement these tools, meanwhile... Uh, this, the, the wheelchair ladies is waiting to be connected with spiritual tools. Uh, and that's beautiful, right? But I, I, my observation is many churches don't even want to go there. Even like last week, someone was like, my church doesn't want to even do a Facebook page mm, or mm, a group mm. that's going to pull away from a physical relationship. So it's an interesting time to see how technology is moving, how the church frankly is stumbling and how it's lagging a bit behind. But I think that the next generation is really going to take it to another level. And we really need to catch up. The big C church need to catch up because we're way behind.
1: Jay, I want to kind of, for the sake of argument, ask this. If metaverse churches disappeared today, what would analog churches lose? What would the big C church lose if Metaverse Church disappeared today?
3: Yeah. To be honest, I just have a hard time answering questions like that. And I'm going to answer it in a roundabout way. The reason it's hard for me to answer questions like that is because I've been thinking a lot lately about 2000 years of church history and how God has been so utterly faithful Mm to the church. And Jesus meant what he said when he told Peter, your name is Peter upon this rock, I'm going to build the church and not even the gates of Haiti, mm. not even the gates mm. of hell mm. will prevail against it. I think in some ways, we get so caught up in taking advantage of the moment to DJ's point about, we need to innovate, we're falling behind. And I understand that sentiment. I've lived my whole life in Silicon Valley. Mm. I pastored and I pastor and shepherd men and women who make the stuff. There are people here in our congregation, many people, there are several on our elder board who are constantly signing NDAs because they're working on stuff at, (laughs) you know, at Meta and Apple and Google that, you know, like they can't talk about. (laughs) And then it comes out, you know, we've got people who in our church who present at, you know, the Hmm. uh, worldwide developers conferences. So like, I mean, we have heavy Hmm. hitters here, And I've learned so much from Mm. them because when I sit, you know, across the table with them and share a beer or a coffee, there is a temperance about them that doesn't exist outside of that world. Mm. You know, when I doom scroll Twitter (laughs) or whatever, and everyone's talking about how fast technology Mm. is going and some, some Christians are like, technology's the Mm. devil and we got to fight against the devil. And others are like, you know, we're not innovating enough. We're falling behind. And we're screwed. Well, ultimately at the end of the day, it's not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. We are his bride. Mm. And he has seen us through seismic shifts in technology before. Mm. And if the gates of hell will not prevail, Mm. then technological advances won't either. So that's why for me, I don't think that God's call on churches and on church leaders is to be first in the technological rat race. I don't think God's call on us is to be perfect, nor is it to be flawless. It's just to be faithful. Mm. It's to be faithful in the moment that we are in, to serve the people that he brings into our midst, into our care, whether it's a physical location of a church or a virtual reality church or whatever it might be, and to just help move people along one step at a time. Mm. And yes, we need to innovate responsibly to do that well. Mm. But I do my best to live with no fear of falling behind. Just in my own experience, what I've learned is that even when we go slow under God's great care, we're actually never behind. Mm. That's my Mm. sense. Now, that's not to say there isn't the possibility of missed opportunities and all of those things. There absolutely is. I think one of the risks we run, though is sometimes we, I believe in the digital age, at times we have compromised proximity for the sake of reach. Mm. And what I mean by that is we get so inundated and so enamored with reaching as far as we can, that we can sometimes, not everybody, but often we can lose the gift of proximity mm. that God has brought real people into real moments and into our real lives right here in our midst. And maybe the thing he's calling us to do first, not always, but maybe sometimes is to serve those people really faithfully Mm -hmm. and to serve them Mm -hmm. well and to dig into their lives in ways that are are genuine. Early on during COVID, a dear woman in our church, her mother passed away and her mother was a saint in our Mm -hmm. church. And this was like April or May of COVID. And then, A couple of weeks after this saint in our church passed away, a dear young couple in our church, actually staff people, they were both on staff, husband and wife, newlyweds, they had been pregnant and then they gave birth to their daughter. She was born months early with a a condition and the doctors basically said she's not going to make it more than about 48 hours. Mm. In both of those cases, because it was COVID, there were significant hurdles for me as a pastor yeah. to go physically officiate this memorial mm. service for this saint mm. and to do a child dedication mm. and a small service in the NICU mm. of the local hospital. I mean, I had to like go through tests mm. and paperwork, all this stuff. And honestly, if we're just being technical, I could have just FaceTimed. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? In fact, the woman offered and she said, well, do do you feel more comfortable if we just zoom you into the graveside? Mm. And you can Zoom mm-hmm. and share a few words or something. But that was like not even an option mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, no, I'll do whatever I have to do, whatever tests they want to give me, whatever paperwork I have to sign, waivers, whatever, wear a mask. I don't care. I'm going to be mm-hmm. there because that's what you mm-hmm. do. In the most important, critically human elements of in experiences of life, you have to show up if you mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point for me that I'm trying to make the distinction. If at all possible, as strangers become friends and friends become family, or in the words of Paul in Ephesians, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are citizens of God's kingdom, but you're not just citizens. You're members of his household, which comes, it's a Greek word that comes from the word oikos, Mm -hmm. which means home. And a household was shorthand in the Greco-Roman world for family extended family. So basically like you're not strangers, you're not even just citizens, you're mm. family now. And what do we do with family? Like we show mm-hmm. up. And I think for me again, I'm not against digital. I'm really grateful for the ways in which digital technology is pushing the church to innovate, but at the end of the day, if the church is family, not that we all feel that way on day 1, but if that's the bar that's been set, then I believe we are on the path and the journey toward re- like Desire and longing to really be with one another. Mm-hmm. And I love what DJ said. You know, what about the shut in? What about the person who physically can't show up? There's a local church here in town where they have a congregation at the local senior living facility mm-hmm. and one of their pastors will take a guitar and the communion elements and a DVD of the Sunday sermon, (laughs) and they'll play the DVD on the big screen in the communal space, and they'll sing and then administer communion together. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a beautiful picture of the hybrid that DJ's talking about. We're using digital technology, but we're trying to show up as much as we can for those who can't show up to our buildings. And I think that's where we all need to push one Mm -hmm. another to be as human as possible and to show up as much as possible. Yeah, I
1: appreciate that contrast between proximity and reach. And one of the things that I think I really appreciate about virtual reality, we're coming out of this broadcast mindset and a little bit out of the going viral mindset of social media. But in virtual reality, like it is very personal and it is very in many ways intimate. You don't have these large group encounters. People want to have personal encounters. And I really appreciate. And I think DJ would share this. There's a lot of personal interaction that happens in a VR space and there's a faithful presence that happens. And I think people like DJ are doing that, showing up, being present in these spaces where there aren't a lot of Christians. DJ, I've got a closing question for you. I'm going to kind of flip it to you if, and I don't think you think this. But just for the sake of argument, imagine a future where analog church disappears. I've actually heard people who think this is going to happen. I don't. But imagine it disappears. What has the metaverse church lost? What has the global church lost if that were ever to happen?
4: Well, definitely. I mean, you go back to that story that I mentioned about the individual who's a VR church Mm -hmm. member, and then they got connected with a physical church. And so you're going to to connect people locally, physically who really desire that. And so maybe he'd like church for a time or it served him for a time, but he really wanted to do a physical experience. And so we would lose that opportunity Mm. like that gentleman would have, and perhaps even physical needs, because there should be a collaboration. There isn't right Mm. now. There's still a rift, but in the future, it'll be beautiful when both the metaverse and the physical church are talking and collaborating, uh, cross-collaboration, cross-pollinization. And then you just have such a beautiful expression of taking, taking care of needs in many ways. So I've seen, conversely, some pastors who'd say, hey, you got to check out that metaverse church because they know the individual they're talking to is not going to, you know, don the foot of mm, a physical mm. church. But they would, perhaps, a, a metaverse church. And so there's all this crossover that could happen, but right now there's staunch theological mm. attitudes that really have created a rift uh, towards the connecting. People think people are going to be fake. You can't have discipleship where we found the opposite to be true. There's deep relationships mm. and, and deep authenticity because of the anonymity of the mm-hmm. avatar. And so it's not like we come to church, not fake, right? <laughs> we, we already have avatars coming to church. They're projected by self. And we just had a podcast about this recently with our leaders, and they're like, it's just a human mm. thing. Yep. Whether you're coming in physical person or as an avatar, it's just a human mm-hmm. nature thing to project whatever you want to project. And so the metaverse doesn't make that greater or less. Although we find it kind of tips the scale a little bit towards more authenticity because, uh, who was, who said that wild, that author who said rarely speaks the truth uh, in his self, but give him a mask and he'll tell you huh, the truth. Huh. I'm getting the quote wrong, but kind of that mm. idea. So at the end of the day, I kind of, I know I went off, went off on some side trails, but at the end of the day, both would lose yeah. out. And that's where we need both of them. You know, again, I, I know this isn't the best example. Maybe it's kind of silly, but. You know, the iPad that syncs to the Mac, man, that's a killer combo. (laughs) You know, I'm going to continue my document on the, on the, on my iPad. And so the, the church embracing the hybrid model, physical metaverse without limitation, without reluctance. Um, maybe even, I don't know, maybe this is maybe even barring that idea of when Peter, uh, was visited by the angel and, or, you know, the, the blanket came down. Please eat you know, and Peter was like, no, I'm not going to eat. And what God said, what I've called clean, don't call unclean. And so I feel like this is, if I could borrow that, this is a moment in the church where everything is unclean mm. when it comes to digital. Mm. Oh, this is the devil. This is, this is, you know, the end times type <laughs> of stuff. But really, I think it's a tool and opportunity and God's giving us tools and we're just kind of knocking it back at them. And so hopefully the church grabs those tools and starts using them. And so we could just have a Uh, really better future as far as the church is concerned.
1: Cool. DJ Soto, Jay Kim, thanks guys for joining us. This has been fantastic. As two pastors, you guys have been gracious and generous and I shouldn't have expected any different. But also I'm, I'm just, yeah, really appreciative for the expansive visions that you both have for the ways that analog church and metaverse church, VR church can collaborate into this hybrid that can open the door for so many more people connect with more people and bring the love of Jesus into their lives. So thank you guys. DJ, how can people learn more about what you're doing, find or connect with you?
4: Yes. Yeah, so vrchurch.org is our website and you can see like my social media links and just learn more about the church. Like if you're hearing this for the first time, because people are in 2022 going, what VR church. So go read about us. So uh, there's a couple good news articles there. Um, cool.
3: That t- t- tell our story. Just kind of, if you want to wrap, wrap your brain around that. Cool. So
1: Yeah. And Jay, how can people connect with you?
3: Yeah, I have a little website, com, and all my work is there, cool. and so you can find stuff awesome. there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And you doubled down on your analog ideas with a second book, Analog Christian, that came out this year, right?
4: Yeah, yeah that's cool.
1: right. Cool. Awesome. Yes. Thanks, guys, so much. It's been great to have you.
4: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a good time.
2: Great interview. Yeah. Or argument or <laughs> or discussion. Uh, it, it was much more kind and tame as one would expect from two pastors, I think. <laughs> no, exactly. And obviously, both guys said right off the top, like, there are things we agree on. Yeah. And don't put us into a whole that just because I do VR church, I think the physical church is bad, said DJ Soto. Right. And Jay Kim, of course, was saying that, no, we live stream our church. <laughs> and so we're not anti-technology, but really want to emphasize this in person. Yeah, and I found Jay Kim making plenty of positive arguments for
1: live streaming. It's the church's lobby, et cetera, et cetera. Well,
2: that was actually a huge point. I mean, I have all these reactions, but let me just, because you brought it up. Yeah. I think a lot of pastors are going to want to note what he said about Absolutely. that. Streaming church becomes the front door for new people. Yeah, that almost everyone he's talked to, and he mentioned right. Ed Stetzer, who is a friend of ours, that has been saying that a lot of churches are finding this. Yeah. that people watch online three, four, five times before they show up at church. Yeah, if that is not stuck in church leaders' brains yet, that's something to think about. Like now,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it was a great insight. That alone is worth the price of admission for this episode.
2: It's. Really, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do have bullet points that I wrote down. <laughs> I wrote down these bullet points by driving in a car and yelling them at Siri. So <laughs> so some of them might be a little bit like, oh man. But I just want to like throw some things at you and see if you agree or disagree with these things. Okay. First of all, you know, they were talking about the differences between, you know, the VR church and in person. And I was realizing how much the dichotomy gets described wrong because J. Kim talked about multi-site video preaching at one point and They were video broadcasting his sermon. Right. And I see people describing the technologies a lot. For instance, DJ Soto started talking about the experience of like avatars are getting more and more real. Their skin is even getting mm. like more nuanced, you know, the yeah. skin tone and avatar. More realistic. But the big, big difference between a multi-site preaching situation and a VR interaction situation is that engagement. Yeah. It's the two-wayness. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I can sit in a room and sit silently and listen to a preacher and it's yeah. a one-way communication. Or right. I can be online and watch a webinar. It's one-way communication, or I can be interacting one-to-one in a chat, mm-hmm. very thin in terms of how it's representing, but yep. having a very engaging back and forth conversation that engages yeah. emotions, personality, <laughs> authentic, right? The engagement and the interactivity yeah, is a key measure for how digital interaction works. Mm-hmm. And we can't get lost in the description of how HD the thing is and forget about the interactivity.
1: Yeah, VR is much more interactive and if you're comparing VR against live stream like VR wins every time because it has that interactivity that intimacy of conversation and pastors in VR are finding that people want to have a Q&A conversation more than they want to listen to a pastor preach and At, go on and on.
2: Or be authentic yeah. in that back and forth, which brings me to my second bullet point was, you know, he brought up this quote, and I think DJ Soto was thinking of an Oscar Wilde quote. He said it like, give a man a mask and he'll show you his true face. Do huh. you remember? He I have up? heard that. The Oscar Wilde quote actually goes, man is least himself when he talks in his own person. Give him a mask and he will tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And he was reflecting his experience where people walk in and you can have an avatar that looks like you or that looks like a pink unicorn, right? Like it's just (laughs) how you can do it. Yeah. But regardless, you can somewhat disguise your identity in this situation. And so people are walking into his church virtually and saying things to him that they probably wouldn't say. Right. To someone in their life, maybe not a friend or a family member questions that they have because of the anonymity. And that's what he was talking about with that quote.
1: Yeah. And it makes me think about the confessionals in the Catholic Church. Like you go in and there's a screen between you and the priest. Interesting. That allows for this degree of anonymity and that anonymity allows for a certain degree of safety and security. For the individual now, I would hope that over time people are willing to take that mask off and still be vulnerable. Right. Right. And and that that ultimately does come forward. But people today are in so many different places, and some people have been hurt so badly they need a place to be vulnerable that's still safe to start with.
2: And it works as a starter point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what we want is it not to stay there. Yeah. But, but exactly right. I agree with that. Another bullet point that stood out to me. DJ Soto said the word embodied, but he was talking about an embodied with an avatar. Yeah, that was really interesting. In that, of course, flies in the face of the way we've been using mm-hmm. the word embodied. A lot of us are searching for language to talk about when you're in person mm-hmm. or you're embodied mm-hmm. versus people go, well, you're not present or you're virtual. And I don't like that language because you can be present long distance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is what a remote presence is. And so the embodied or in person is one way of talking about me actually being there with my flesh and blood <laughs> but dj soto said embodied with an avatar and that <laughs> threw me for a loop because you are putting on a skin mm-hmm. i think skin is better language for that that's the language that's been used in software and in vr and science fiction for a long time i'm a little resistant even though i'm actually pro actually everything that he's doing here <laughs> and uh, i'm really interested in it i think it really does work i think skins mm-hmm. and avatars is better language than mm-hmm. embodied. i don't like the mixing up on that
1: yeah it does feel a little bit more like inhabiting a skin or inhabiting an avatar but yeah he was just like god
2: put on a human suit i'm kidding that's terrible technology <laughs> or terrible, <laughs> that's, terrible. terrible <laughs> that's terrible theology uh, that's terrible theology that was a heresy of course <laughs> in the early church uh, thinking about jesus as god walking around just with a human suit on we say he's truly human mm-hmm. and truly god
1: chris what was the name of the heresy do you know this feels like something you would know well i was gonna say decetic which i think it is but hold on Well, let's look it up while we're chatting here. Docetic heresy. Docetism. Not to be confused with docents. Wikipedia says you are correct. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding.
2: Wikipedia also says that the result, of course, is that Christ's sufferings weren't fully real, which is Mm. the big point. But anyway. So Jesus was doing more than embodying a body.
1: He was truly God and truly man. Somehow this turned into a theology quiz for Chris.
2: I guess overall... My sort of last bullet is just this idea of, you know, at first there was moments where I wanted to rail against the false dichotomy, which mm. we do all the time, right? Because we say you cannot think about these things as being like, oh, let's talk about online church versus real people church. And yeah. the versus becomes this huge drywall between the two. Yeah. When nary the two shall meet. Yeah. And I say this all the time in episodes, the real world is not someone living in a basement, eating their pizza just on the internet and not interacting with people. The way we think about online interactions is how it affects our in-person reactions. Mm -hmm. It's the fourth dimension. It's the smartphone sitting in the room with other people. Like how do these work together? Right. And, There were points in the conversation where these guys say, no, we don't believe that. Right. But there was still a lot of, well, we can have both, said DJ Soto. That was his compromise, Mm -hmm. the VR church. And then he had a story of a guy that leaves the VR church and goes to a real church in the Netherlands. Right. But actually, they're both working together. Like yeah. There's the layers of both. And so I want to avoid those dichotomies as we think about how these things work together. The reality is all of this is hybrid. I'm positive mm-hmm. even people that are strapping on those goggles have other interactions with people and faith in embodied life. And this also has to do with they were talking about discipleship I'm following Jesus. And the reality is if we talk about the dichotomy, can you follow Jesus more in a VR church versus in the pews. You know, at one point they talked about, well, you can come up with alternatives. I loved the idea of these Grubhub gift cards. Or <laughs> or it's like yeah. sending we hey, we can't bring real food to somebody right. if someone is sick, but we could send them a food delivery gift card. Yeah. And that's one way to take care of them. And yeah. that's actually really creative and cool. But we need to be careful about those kind of examples still maintaining that wall between this is how virtual church does it and this is how in-person church does it. The reality is we are going to remain physical beings regardless Mm -hmm. and so the food is going to be necessary and these things are going to be blended. They're never going to be separate.
1: Yeah, we really set up a bit of a false dichotomy in this episode and they really knocked it down in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. And I was even surprised. There was a lot more agreement between them out of the gate even in how they define church and all the ways that they're talking about both sides sides of this false dichotomy. And I really appreciated their pastoral character in finding that common ground and finding ways to truly affirm the ministry and mission that both of them have. I thought that was really cool and inspiring.
2: But you refereed, so you didn't really say Mm. your opinion. What was your top line reaction? Yes or no on virtual (laughs) (laughs) Church, man.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think before I started learning about VR church, I was pretty skeptical. And I think the more I've learned about it, the more optimistic and encouraging I am about it, partly because of the stories, but definitely because I think there are a lot of people who are far from God who are spending a lot of time in VR and they're far from God, not because they want to be, but because they've been hurt by the church or whatever, but they're still asking spiritual questions. And people like DJ
2: Soto are meeting him there. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay, Adam, you know what time it is. Time for Vice or Virtue. I was gonna obviously bring up the Oculus Rift headset which is the vr headset <laughs> because that feels like the big topic of the day however mm. that feels like something that we should be arguing completely in our own full fight <laughs> right so that's gotta be us so instead i've gone for the other obvious choice which is uber eats gift cards
3: <laughs>
1: yes uber eats i don't know if i've ever done uber eats chris or I, gift cards or yeah, doordash but- gift cards you know I literally do not have a food delivery app on my phone. What? That I can think of. I've ordered online directly because that's normal. Like pizza and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm I surprised
2: you're not just calling them and giving them your credit card number over the phone. Oh but. man. Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's what I do.
1: Yeah. Have I done Uber Eats? I can't think that I have. But I really did appreciate dj soto's creative way of caring for people in a global society in vr like the ability to send gift cards and care for people at any distance is just incredible exactly right yeah stand out practical yeah i love the innovation that they're doing that vr demands of them and so yeah as a representation of care i really like it for me personally i don't see a lot of value in it but i'll say it's a virtue yeah
2: I mean, I think you should because I know you and I don't think you're like cooking a French meal at home. I think you're sitting watching Netflix, you know, with the DVDs. And so it would just help you not move from the couch, you know? That's right. I just want to keep scrolling on TikTok and have someone put the food in my hand. That's exactly right. For me, like, you know, during the pandemic our church had a number of young couples that had babies. And when you have mm. a baby, the church is like, let's bring you food. Like it's the <laughs> meal train, you know, and everyone signs up to bring a meal, I think, which is a lovely, if quaint tradition. <laughs> but during the pandemic, it was like, oh, we suddenly, what are we going to do? We right. can't show up. We're not supposed to go in. We're not supposed to be handy people. Breathe on think, this food. I know, exactly. <laughs> like this lasagna could be tainted. <laughs> and so definitely they're like, well, in place of that, Sort of that same idea came up. Get yeah. a gift card for food delivery. Like, yeah. could you send people like a, a Grubhub or an Uber Eats thing? And I thought it was dumb. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, because food is pretty easy to get in the middle class Chicago where people have money and jobs, you know, like obviously not for everybody, but at our situation, not hard. Well, at one point, someone was like, oh, just use Uber Eats and order for them and have it delivered. But I'm like, well, I'm going to order a pizza that they're not going to like, you know, like that's just going to be how it is. I put black olives on stuff. That's a problem. Uh, yeah. Don't ever send me that. <laughs> it's so good. Or jardinera I do support Jardonnay. Okay. They're going to have to look that up if they don't know what it is. But. That's what I would do. It's just sending the cash felt like it lacked the mm. compassion and care that goes with that work that you're cooking. I cooked all mm. afternoon for mm. you to take care of you. Maybe sending the cash is nice and maybe it's the same thing as like, hey, I didn't know what to get you. Here's this cash. It's yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it's still good. It does feel transactional. But it, But other than that, I think it really missed a lot of it. For me personally, I would like to walk to the restaurant anyway. Remember when we had the founder of Grubhub on our podcast, Mike Mike Evans, Evans. and he talked about how he founded the whole service so he could get a pizza brought to him and make it easier. (laughs) But he also said after he left the company and it got really, really big, Mm. he has concerns about the way they treat drivers Mm. and other things. And so I think about that as well. So I'm going to call the Uber Eats gift card advice. Ooh, ouch. I'm surprised, but I can get what you're saying for sure well i want to thank dj soto and jay kim for jumping on with you and really talking through it
1: yeah they've given a lot of thought
2: and i'm grateful that they were willing to share that wisdom and insight with us for links to their websites you can go to device and virtual and we'll be sure to link to their site so you can check out more of this stuff uh good to see you
1: and you too
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Pivot with Russell St. Bernard. This podcast features important conversations with industry leaders such as Nona Jones, Bishop Walter Scott Thomas, Reverend Dr. Nicole Martin, and so many more. Visit ministrypivot.com or on all streaming platforms.